Hello, friends. Welcome to Read 'em and Weep. It me, your host, Sammy, and we have a special episode for you today. I was recently invited to go play a private game, a home game, which is also the highest stakes game that I've ever played in. So I have an old friend who lives in Southern California that runs a private game now out of his home. My wife and I took a vacation down to Southern California, and she said, you should go play in that game. And I was like, I don't know, man, it's a... Uh, it's pretty high stakes. And she's like, you know what? You you should go play it. You, you've worked a lot on your game. You really love poker. It sounds like a lot of fun. And so I did. So I went and played it. So I'll tell you about the game. It is a 102550. And they also have a small blind kitty. I'll explain what that is in a minute. My buddy runs it out of his place. And his place is like this posh penthouse, one bedroom that like the living room overlooks the Pacific Ocean, and it's got like a sauna in there. I mean, it's it's pretty baller. And this game, I mean, he really does it right. There is a private chef. So you walk in, he's got this like pretty big kitchen, and there's just this dude in this chef getup. And the guy hands you a menu when you come in, and he'll just cook you anything on the menu. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, chef, I'll take a filet mignon. Boom, chef whoops it up for you. Hey, chef, I want some king crab legs. Boom, chef got it. It is lit. I mean, it's really, really cool. Chef is super dope. And there's also these hot-ass Instagram girls uh, as hostesses. So these chicks are tan and siliconed up and wearing skimpy stuff. And they hang out and bring you drinks and flirt with you. And it's, you know, it's a whole thing. I mean, the, the there's a massage girl. There's a professional dealer. I mean, they they really do this game right. And the coolest thing about this game is that it is like the home game you played with your buddies back in the day in college, right? You'd play like a 25 cent, 50 cent where everyone buys in for 50 bucks and you just hang out and you drink and you have a good time and it's like, whatever. This is exactly what that is. These guys are all just mega rich. It's all chump change to them, but the game is super fun. I walked in and these guys all know each other. You know what I mean? I think there's probably a pool of like 25 or 30 guys that play in this game, depending on the night. So all these guys really know each other. So I was kind of like the new guy and they were all super nice to me. They wanted to know about me. You know, everyone's joking around, having a good time. I mean, it was just a good group of guys and the skill level of these players, not that high. Uh, My buddy who runs the game told me, you know, they're very conscious of not bringing in professional players. They want it to stay a casual game, et cetera, et cetera. And for these guys, I mean, these stakes are casual. Like some of these guys are just multi, multi-millionaires and VPs of, of big tech companies and all this shit, right? But they're all super cool, super nice guys. They're all competent poker players. Like they're not idiots who are like, oh yeah, it's a, is it the small blinds on me. I mean, they all know how to play, but none of them are real poker players. You know what I mean? I would say that the Average skill level is what you'd find at a 2-3 game or 1-3 game. Only these guys are buying in for thousands and thousands of dollars, which is pretty awesome for me. So I decided to take a shot in the game. And they actually don't let you really buy in for that much. Uh, The max buy-in on your first buy-in is 5K, which obviously sounds like a lot of money. But for a 10-25-50 game, it's not at all. It's only 100 big blinds, which is quite a bit less, quite a bit shallower than I'm used to playing. But just like your home game that you played back in the day, 
you know, you dust off your stack. Everyone else has more money. They start letting you buy in for more. You can buy in for 10K after that, this and that. Um, I will tell you by the end of the night, there was two guys who had lost over 20K. Like one guy lost like 25, one guy lost like 30. And this is a pretty standard night here. So uh, I got in the mix and this episode is going to go over two hands. In fact, there were a bunch of interesting hands. So maybe I'll do a couple more uh, on a later episode. But like always, we're going to do two hands. One hand that I played well, one hand that I played shitty. Let's get on to it. Oh, I almost forgot. I told you how to explain the small blind kitty. So the way it works is the button every hand. So it's 10, 25, 50. And then every hand, the button has to put $50 in a kitty that goes right in front of the small blind. And the small blind, if he wins the hand, wins the kitty. If the small blind doesn't win the hand, it just goes as normal and the 50 gets added to the next 50 and the next 50 until the small blind wins a hand. So at a couple points in the night, this kitty got up to like more than 1K and it really incentivizes the small blind to get in the mix and play and it's in bluff and try to win the money in the kitty and all that. And it's actually really cool. It adds a super fun dynamic to the game. I've actually heard of this being done on the button, but I actually don't like that because the button is going to play a lot of hands anyway. You know, they, they have the best position on the table. So I really think it's cool associating it with the small blind. So the small blind, even though they have the shittiest position at the table, has to get in the mix and, and fight for the money in that kitty. It's, it's a fun dynamic. And it actually comes into play in the second hand. So we'll get into that. But let's start off with hand one, the hand I played well. Uh, one of the guys in early position limps 450. And Hero looks down in the cutoff, and I have Jack 10 of Diamonds. Ooh, very pretty. I raise it up to 250. And now this loose fish. He actually hasn't even been playing that long. Uh, he came in about halfway through. This guy cold calls the 250. And he's the shortest stack. He's the effective stack. He has about four and a half K in front of him. And then the big blind also cold calls the 250. And then the limper actually folds. So this is something you see at a lot of low stakes games. You know, there's a big raise and then guys out of position, just cold call it. You don't really find that among, you know, higher stakes, sharper games. But at like your one, two game, you'll see that a lot. And here you see it too. So there's a limper. I raised to 250 with Jack 10 of diamonds. The big blind and the small blind both cold call, and then the limper gets out of the way. So we go three-handed, and I have position. I have jack-10 of diamonds, and the flop comes 9-8-8 with two clubs and one diamond. And this is a pretty good flop, right? I have an open-ended straight draw. I have a backdoor flush draw, and both guys check to me. So there's about 850 in the pot. You can make a case for checking back here and just trying to realize your equity. I decide to bet. And I think betting is a good idea here because you can get rid of a lot of different types of hands that you're behind. I mean, jack high is nothing, right? But I can get a lot of ace highs to fold. I can get a lot of smaller pairs like, you know, fours, fives, something like that. A lot of those will fold depending on the player, obviously. But I just think betting here is a good idea. And also my hand has pretty good equity. I have two overs. I have an open-ended straight draw. I have a backdoor flush draw. Let's get going. The pot's 850. I don't need to bet that big to get rid of a lot of these hands. So I bet 300. The small blind, the really loose fishy guy, he calls and the big blind folds. So we go heads up 
to a turn, which is the king of clubs putting a third club on board. So it's nine, eight, eight, two clubs, and then the king of clubs. He checks again. I could easily just check back and give up here, but I actually decide to fire again. And the reason I decide to fire here is because he can have a lot of hands that are not flushes. And I think that if he had flopped trip eights on the flop, remember it was nine, eight, eight. I think if he had trip eights, he will check raise that flop a lot just because it's so draw heavy. So when he calls, I think he's weighted toward a lot of one pair hands or weak draws. And when this flush card comes, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to barrel again and get him off of his riffraffy ass hands. And if he has a flush, he'll let me know right here and I can just be done with the hand. But I'm going to take a shot at it. So it's 988 on the flop with two clubs, king of clubs on the turn. There's about 1450 in the pot. And I bet 750. And like I said, I just think this gets rid of a lot of his riffraffy hands, but he calls it again. He check calls it again. All right, I'm done with this hand. I told myself I was done with this hand. If I miss the river, I just have nothing. Uh, if I hit, obviously, I'm going to put in another bet, but you know, the, this is just not looking good. The river comes the most interesting of cards, though. It comes the deuce of clubs, putting a fourth club on board. So it's 988 with two clubs, king of clubs, two of clubs. I have jack 10 of diamonds. I have fuck all. But he checks again. And now there's almost 3K in the pot. There's about 2950 in the pot. And we have a little more than 3K behind. I think we have like 3200 behind. And I just think, man, it's actually pretty hard for him to have a club in his hand. He didn't check raise the flop, so I doubt he's got three eights. He didn't check raise the turn, so I don't think he has the flush. And then he checked the river again. Could he have a medium flush and just not feel that confident because the board's paired? Yeah, he could. But again, this is one of the loosest guys at the table. In fact, uh, I have a third buddy who plays in this game sometimes, and he was telling me about some of the dudes in the game, giving me a little bit of the rundown, a little bit of the game plan. And this particular player that I'm in the pot against, my buddy told me, don't bluff this guy. Like, he just likes to call. The guy's worth millions of dollars. He doesn't give a shit. And now I'm sitting here with $3,000 in the pot, and I have jack high. And I just think, you know what, man? I don't think he's got to flush that often. I definitely don't think he's got three eights. And the thing is this is that if he had a pair on the flop, whether he's got a pair in his hand or he flopped a pair of nines with the nine on board, he can only have one card that's possibly a club. And there's four different suits. So his chances of having a club, I'm going to say it's 25%, but it's actually less because there's clubs on board, which remove a good amount. I think it's actually closer to 20% that he's got a club. The pot's basically laying me one-to-one. I can bluff about the size of the pot, And I think he's only got a club maybe 20% of the time. And this is one of the worst hands that I arrive here with. And I just think, shit, man, I got to go for it. And I decide to rip it in. I make the biggest bluff of my entire life. I bluff $3,200 into this pot. And he thinks about it for like one second and mucks his hand. And I pull in the pot. And... This one felt really good. You know, it's just one of those things where sometimes when you play in a game that's much bigger than you're used to, 
it's easy to freeze up. It's easy to not play the way that you know how to play. I knew I was ready. I knew I'd worked enough on my game. I knew that I felt confident enough to play in this game when this hand happened. I wasn't nervous at all. Like I just ripped it in and I wasn't nervous. I, you know, I, I wasn't breathing heavy. I was just like, you know what? I think this is the right play. If he calls, he calls and it sucks, but I'm just going to go with the way I know how to play poker. And the stuff my friends said, you know, don't bluff this guy. You know what? Fuck all that. I'm not going to change my game for anybody. And that doesn't mean that you don't adjust it. But the reality is, I think theory wise, this is a time that I have to go for it. And I analyzed the hand correctly. Uh, I thought through it clearly, just as if I was playing 2-5 or 5-10. I ripped it in and we got it through. Feels good, man. Got to tell you. So hats off to me. Allow myself to congratulate myself. Obama putting a medal on himself. Dot meme. That's the hand we played good. Uh, Hang on and we'll talk about a hand that I played not so good. All right, hand two. We are playing the same game, 10-25-50 with the small blind kitty. And it folds around to the cutoff who opens to 150 bucks. I'm on the button and I look down at pocket fives. Hallelujah. We like this hand. We're going to flat this hand. Uh, I talked in the last episode about how we don't want to three bet a ton from the button because we already have position. We're incentivized to call with a lot of hands. And even in spots where you should be three betting a lot. I tend not to three bet my small and even medium pairs. I just think they play so much better in single raise pots to keep the stacks deep for when you flop a set. Um, and certainly a hand like fives uh, is not going to play well on a three bet pot. I flat the button and the small blind flats as well. The small blind is definitely a recreational player. He's having a lot of fun. He has shown a bluff previously in this session so he'll mix it up a little bit and the kicker to this is there is about $500 in the small blind kitty so this guy can be extremely wide trying to win the money in that kitty so we go three ways to the flop and the flop is ace deuce three rainbow and now both players check to me I have pocket fives this is a great flop for us We have second pair, we have a gutter ball, and more importantly, both other players have checked us. So the small blind is going to check pretty much all of his hands in most situations here. But again, because there's that 500 bucks in the small blind kitty, he's probably going to be calling with all sorts of hands. So he's certainly not dense to having an ace in his hand. And it's an even better event when the pre-flop raiser checks as well, because that means that he rarely has an ace. Most people, they raise with an ace and ace flops. They're going to see bet it almost all the time. So when both of these guys check to me, I feel pretty good that a bet here is going to be really effective. I think we just get folds and win the pot a lot against, you know, there's just going to be a lot of middle cards in between that ace and three. Things like eight, nine and king, queen and, you know, jack 10 and Queen Jet, you know, a bunch of Broadway shit like that. So I just think betting here takes the pot down a bunch of the time. And if it doesn't, we have two fives that can make us a set. We have four fours that can make us the straight. Like things are really good for us here. We like it all. So we don't need to bet 
real big here either. I bet 200 into 525. And surprisingly, both players check call. All right, then. We go to the turn. It is the Badoogie 8. So it's a true rainbow board. Ace, deuce, three, eight. And I have pocket fives. Both players check to me. And now I decide to check back. I think it's a good check back. If it were just against one player, I could certainly continue semi-bluffing, depending on which player it was, etc. But in this situation, when both players call, it's just not a great spot for a bluff. I decide to just check and try to realize my equity, see what people do on the river, etc. The river comes another deuce. It pairs the bottom card. So it's ace, deuce, three, eight, deuce. Now the small blind leads out for a big ass bet. He bets 1150 into 1125. He fucking pots it. Now the cutoff, the original razor who's checked twice, he actually goes into the tank and he thinks about it longer than normal before finally folding. And now it gets to me. And I just think, man, this guy, this guy really might be bluffing here. I mean, think of all the things that are happening. So this guy has shown a bluff before. He's obviously really wide pre-flop, and there's 500 extra dollars in that small blind kitty. You know, he could have easily overcalled the flop with like a gutter, you know, like a four or a five or maybe three X, a pair of threes with something. He could have easily done that. Certainly he could have a deuce, but that's really all he's repping. You know, I don't think he's got an ace that often because a lot of his big aces like ace king, ace queen should be three betting a good amount pre-flop. And I just don't think he bets this big of a size once the board pairs and he's got, you know, something like what, like ace seven or something like that. People generally don't pot it in that situation. He's going very polar. So I think that he's got a good amount of bluffs. And then I also think he has some value. I do think he has some two X in his range, but I just think, man, like adding it all up, the the fact that this guy's bluffed before the fact that he's got the small blind kitty, the fact that everybody checked the, the turn and hasn't shown much interest in the pot. It would be a great time for him to bluff. I think he's bluffing. I decided hero call the guy. I call off $1,150 with my pair of fives and he flips over ace deuce for a full house so he flopped top and bottom pair on the flop didn't check raise it the turn check through and then on the river he made a full house and bombed it and i paid his ass off with a bullshit hand obviously i had some reasons for why i called and why i thought it was a decent call but let's talk about the reasons the flip side of this the reasons it was a bad call so number one I talked about how a lot of his bluffs can come from gutters, fours and fives. A big problem with that is that my hand is two fives. So I'm blocking a ton of the five X. Now he could still have some four X, but I'm, I'm taking away a bunch of his five X. And the other thing is that if he flopped a pair of threes, he might not feel compelled to bluff that hand. You know what I mean? He might feel compelled to just check and and see if it's good. The other thing is in this formation, like three-handed, players generally play more honestly. I know there's a couple hundred bucks in the small blind kitty, but a lot of times when you see this, when a guy like overcalls, 
and then a scary card comes in the river and he bombs it against two other players, they fucking got it. They just got it. But especially a hand that blocks some of his most natural bluffs. So you add it all up, and this is just a call that I shouldn't have made. I tried to hero in a spot where it wasn't really appropriate. I didn't choose the best hand candidate. You know, in hand one, I, I stuck to the theory. And I made a good theory play. I made, I made a good theory bluff. It worked out. It was great. Here, I didn't follow the theory. Here, I tried to be real exploitable. And that's fine to a point. But really, I just ended up leveling myself. And it's a small blind kitty that did it. But the reality is, is I did it to myself. Fire me into the sun. I made a shitty call. I dusted off 1500 bucks with a shitty ass hand. Like, you know. It's it sucks to suck. It is what it is. But that's a uh, that's the hand that I played bad. You know what are you gonna do? So this session was really fun. Um, I had a great time at this game. Uh, we ended up getting out of there with a profit, which I was really happy about. I think you know it, it wasn't a huge profit. We won like thirty five hundred bucks on our five k buy in. So that's cool. I was really happy just to not like lose my ass. I'm always a little you know, just hesitant when a a bad beat or two can just dust off, you know, like five figures. It's a, it's a kind of scary spot. So I was happy to walk out of there with a little bit of profit, a good time. Next time I'm down in SoCal, I will definitely play it again. But that's all I got for you guys, man. I appreciate you guys tuning in next weekend. I'm actually going out of town for a little family trip. So I probably won't be able to have an episode out on Monday. I'll try to get one out midweek, but Until then, play good and run pure.